Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Empire. The gaming boom from then to now. Everything is interconnected from a design standpoint of every, everything you do within a game helps and supports and adds to everything else that you do within that same product. I think that continues to expand now to where every product that you play somehow you know works together too. That's Mike Taramikin, co-founder and CEO of Hype Games, who went from startup to large platform partner back to startup. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Mobile technology has literally changed the game for everyone. We know sports teams, leagues, athletes, they're trying to leverage it for branding while at the same time, they're fighting for the attention they used to have. Gaming has been an addendum to sports, but now feels more intertwined than ever. And as fantasy and gambling explode, free-to-play models are necessary for engagement and retention. Our guest this week is Mike Taramikin, who is the CEO and the founder of Hype Games, which is a mobile application developing the company at the intersection of sports, media, and gaming. So let's see where gaming is going in the future. Thanks, Mike. Nice to talk to you. Likewise. Great, great to be here. Um, your background, you've worked with a number of major companies in the gaming industry, EA Sports, FanDuel as well. Tell me about those experiences and which led to starting Hype Games. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my, my, my background started, you know, in game development back in the nineties, um, in New York city. And, uh, I had a game, game company called hypnotics, hence the hip part of the name. Um, and we, you know, we focused on console games, PC games, stuff like that. And, uh, uh, really kind of focused on sports games really after, after a while that became kind of our, our bread and butter. We did, um, games like outlaw golf and outlaw volleyball. We just, you know, kind of took the, uh, Kind of took the Happy Gilmore approach to, uh, to to sports games, and then um, you know, so while we the games always had a sense of humor and, and, and stuff like that, we always focused a lot on authenticity and the physics and the you know the competition and stuff like that, which uh, which eventually attracted EA to come and buy us. So in 2005, uh, we sold uh, Hip Games to, or sorry, Hypnotics. Got to keep those straight. Um, <laughs> To EA, and then I joined. Uh, and then I joined uh, EA in 2005, and then you know went from making Outlaw Golf to making Tiger Woods Golf, and then ran ran the Tiger Woods business at EA for eight years. And it happened to be a pretty interesting eight years because that was starting in 2005, and then you know in 2007 the iPhone came out, and Facebook became a thing in that in that time period. And so you know along with you know, along with just, you know, always focusing on, on games and gameplay, you have these new builders too, uh, free to play, things like that, you know, social gaming and, 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 and the like. And so while running the golf business at EA, I also got incredibly interested in free to play 
and launch things like Madden on Facebook and Madden on mobile and just really trying to, trying to find new business models for gaming. And, um, and so naturally after EA kind of went to Zynga, which seemed like a, you know, nice, nice next step, a company that, uh, you know, was very much focused on kind of free to play as the core business model and, you know, built a, uh, started building a, a game business, a sports business unit there as well. And then, and then it was 2015, next thing you knew, um, from, you know, 10, 10 years since, since getting acquired and, and, uh, and, you know, FanDuel, uh, was, was just an incredible opportunity. They were just, they were just really starting to kind of break out, um, with, with fantasy, you know, daily fantasy and stuff like that. And so joined there in 2000, in 2015, rather really focus on kind of like expanding beyond just the core, um, you know, beyond just the core uh, fantasy into just other, you know, other kind of ways of engaging sports fans. So, yeah, you know, and then after that, just said sort of, it was funny when, when we, when we got acquired and when we joined EA, the thought was that was, you know, that was cool. Let's hang out here for two or three years, learn a thing or two, and then go start another company. And then next thing you know, it was, you know, it was 12 years later and we, we, Myself and the other the other co-founders thought, um, you know, if we're ever going to do this, let's let's you know, <laughs> no time like the present. Why didn't you leave after two or three years? Uh, I was enjoying myself too much. Uh, honestly, I think there's um, there's something really cool about you know being in a company with with incredible resources, incredible reach, uh, just incredible you know kind of opportunities to do things. We you know when I when I joined EA, I was coming from. Uh, a small indie developer where, you know, everything we had to, you know, we, we had to work hard to get, you know, anything. And the next thing you know, you're kind of dealing with, um, you know, the biggest athletes, the biggest leagues, the biggest players in sports. And it was just, you know, there's so many opportunities to do innovative things that um, it's kind of hard to be like, okay, I'm going to go back to, you know, no one knowing who I am. Um, and so, you know, just enjoyed it a lot. Okay, so tell me a little bit about free to play. I, I get it with um, with FanDuel as an engagement tool to likely lead to other opportunities on their platform. But for someone like EA or yourself, why are you so bullish about free to play gaming? Well, I mean, at this point, we're bullish about it because that's kind of what the market is bullish about. If you look at if you look at games in general, I think um, I mean, safely over half at this point are mobile games, which is almost exclusively free to play. So I think the, you know, I think the, the market and the audience appreciates it. The, the, you know, the, the value proposition is here's a product. You don't have to pay anything. You can just play it. And if you enjoy it, great. And if you want, you know, and if you want more, just pay for it when you're ready. And so I think the market, you know, has really kind of embraced that from the beginning. You know, we used to say you can't fight free. Um, but, you know, but at the same time, uh, it, you know, being able to distribute your products for free on, on mobile and getting people to play it and then have them start spending when they feel like it's worth it has actually worked out in our favor. Because I think once people really get engaged, they, they sample more, they try more. And if your products are actually good, uh, there's a great opportunity to reach a much broader audience when you don't have, uh, you know, like a, like a paywall, basically. Or, you know, if you don't have to pay 60 bucks or, or you don't have to just buy everything up front. Uh, people have, have ended up, you know, actually engaging more and spending more over time because they, they were allowed the opportunity to, to play something and see if they like it before, you know, before they had to put money down. And so that model, you don't see that going anywhere anytime soon. No, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's, 
as a matter of fact, I mean, you see it, you see it going the other way, you know, with subscription services and, you know, gaming in general, the, the, the days of the, you know, for 50 bucks, you get everything or are kind of long gone. And it's all about, um, you know, it's all about thinking about the lifetime value of, of a player, you know, being able to bring somebody into your ecosystem and just keep them entertained and keep them, keep them engaged and, you know, continue, you know, continue providing them with, with products and services and having them pay when, you know, when they feel like they want to has proven to be, you know, has proven to be a lot more successful than just trying to get like hyping somebody up to go out there and buy everything up front and then hope they're happy afterwards. All right. So um, you had mentioned all these different platforms by which the games have found new spaces to live and thrive. Facebook, I'm sure some of the other social media platforms as well, mobile phone, um, if you were to project out, because I think this is the hardest thing that we've found with engagement with modern fans and modern users, where is it going? Do you have a sense of where it's going? Uh, yeah, I, I have a sense. Doesn't mean I'm right. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because it's like kind of knowing where games are going is kind of like a, it's really two questions. One is where's technology going? And the other one is, you know, how, you know, where are, you know, where, where's kind of like the market's desire to engage going and those are, or how the, do they want to engage with that technology? Those, those are kind of two questions. Um, I think the easier one is, you know, how do people want to interact? Because I think one thing that we're seeing is, you know, the world is becoming more and more connected and, and people are, you know, interacting with technology is really about interacting with people through technology. And I think that's, that's very, very true in gaming, right? So you have communities of everything, right? Some, some are good, <laughs> you know, some are, some are not. But at the same time, the key is like no one lives, no one really lives in too much of a siloed world anymore. Everything is connected. And so I think in, in the gaming space, what, you know, where I see the gaming market going is really starting to create, and just if we're going to talk about sports gaming, is really starting to create these um, communities and leagues and groups, you know, that interact and play and compete against each other and, and have, you know, legitimate you know, golf leagues or baseball leagues or softball leagues that are, that are digital, but still involve a lot of the core components of, of physical stuff. It's people who get together, who talk, who talk trash, who, you know, who give each other a hard time and also support each other when they do well. Um, and the competition is real too, because then it still comes down to skill. I mean, games at the end of the day, whether, you know, whether it's hand-eye coordination, whether you're like throwing a ball or tapping a controller really fast, there's still a level of skill. Um, and so it, you know, the idea of, of gaming going to a more and more connected world where the competition isn't just about me playing on the couch with, you know, a friend of mine who came over more about, you know, me playing in a giant league with people from all around the world. It's not like that's where it's going. That's where it is. It's just getting deeper and deeper. It's becoming more and more, um, you know, more and more engaging. I think technology facilitating that is, is a slightly different uh, you know, story slash question, because, um, you know, on the one hand, phones are perfect. Everybody has it. You have it all the time. It's with you, like literally, you know, it's probably never, your phone is probably never more than six feet away from you. That's right. Um, <laughs> usually a lot closer. And I'm saying maybe when you sleep, maybe, you know, it's like four feet away. Six feet. Um, I start, I start getting nervous if it's six feet away from me. <laughs> 
That's right. No, no, same here. It's like when I go out, it's like I like if I lose my wallet, I don't really need it. Like I really don't need anything except my phone because it's uh-huh. my keys. You know, you always say wallet, phone, keys. That's what you need. But now the phone is your wallet and your keys. So, but the idea with 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 tech is there's just a bunch of different. Um, there's really just a bunch of different threads in, in, in the tech bucket. And so the, the first and the major one is just mobile, like having a device that is connected to the world at all times. That lets us create all kinds of experiences. Again, whether it's a, a golf game or whether it's a football game or something like that, where, you know, your league, your friends, your, your team, your community is always with you. You know, then we get into the subsets of, of stuff like AR and VR and crypto and just a whole bunch of other technologies that kind of, overlay on top of that, that, you know, that, that modify the, the engagement. Um, you know, I forgot about consoles and PCs, didn't want to disrespect anybody. Um, and I think all of those really just, just kind of work the, the, the tech and the platform work in service of the core idea of just connecting people in a competitive way. Um, you know, and in that space, you know, when you ask where's, you know, where is all this going? It's a great question, right? I mean, I, I think um, I think the I'm I'm particularly interested in concepts like a metaverse. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's 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 a heck of a buzzword. I think it means something different to everybody. I you know I uh, am not ashamed to say that it, what it means to me may not be what what other people think it is, but to me, the idea of a metaverse is really just this overarching connection between everything that that's that you're kind of doing. And whether that's within one product, having every game mode, every community, everything you're in somehow be interconnected um, to maybe it's having all of your games interconnected and everything that you're doing, you know, across different products being interconnected too. Uh, I think that's unescapable. I think the, the, the ability to keep connecting things is just going to happen organically. And whether it's called a metaverse or whether it's called something else, um, just that idea of everything. I the Products don't have modes anymore. You don't go in, you don't play franchise mode, you know, season mode or like, you know, exhibition mode. That That's kind of long gone. Everything is interconnected from a design standpoint of every, everything you do within a game helps and supports and adds to everything else that you do within that same product. I think that continues to expand now to where every product that you play somehow, you know, works together too. And then it ties into the real world. You know, when I go to a Starbucks, maybe there's there's some kind of interaction that happens within within a game that I'm playing because of where I am in the world. Mm. Um, and then it goes the inverse, which is you know through VR and stuff. It's like well, maybe when I'm wearing you know when when I'm wearing a VR headset, um, you know the entire world is there, and I can travel to places without even kind of getting up. But it's all about connectivity. It's all about interconnectivity between people. And again, I just keep saying competition because that's sports. I mean, sports at the end of the day is, um, you know, it's I'm better than you and I can prove it. Barring that tagline from that's that's one of the things we used to say at EA Sports all the time. That was basically our philosophy, which was uh, I'm better than you and I can prove it. And, you know, and the game is the game is the way I prove it. So I think, um, you know, I think that trend continues. Um, and then you've got, you know, and then you've got all kinds of different technologies that just add to that. You know, it's uh um, you know, if there, if you start betting on the outcomes and you're betting through crypto, I mean, great, that's how it comes together, you know, or blockchain or, you know, however you want to refer to it or NFTs or, or whatever. Um, but the idea that, that all of this tech, uh, really all the, all the different sort of trends in technology come in service of connecting people together, um, and making, you know, interaction and engaging with, with people more interesting and broader. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription plus their tablets are made in the united states they prepare they ship direct and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy and here's a special deal for our listeners try blue chew free when you use our promo code future f-u-t-r at checkout just pay five dollar shipping that's bluechew.com promo code future f-u-t-r to receive your first month free and we thank blue chew for being a sponsor of this show let me ask you about modern sports fans and gaming and how they intersect and maybe the way they used to and maybe the way that you see that it will happen now, which I think kind of encompasses a lot of the things that you're you're talking about. We have a lot of guests on this show that talk a lot about entertainment and attending games, the way that teams and leagues are trying to interact with their fans and how gaming falls into this subset in some way but in a lot of ways, they're not totally sure how they're going to move forward to engage differently with their select fan bases. Does that kind of resonate with you where we're trying to figure out how gaming and these worlds interact with real world teams and real world leagues and people actually attending games and being part of real athletics? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's why I always say engagement, right? I kind of use that word because it, it's so it transcends. So there's just so many different kind of, you know, platforms and, 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 um, and, and mediums, um, because at, at the end of the day, everybody just wants to be engaged, right? So the, 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 the flip side to having all this tech and having your phone with you all the time is there's so many things vying for your attention. There's so many things like if you have like a spare second and a half, right? There's at least 10 things that are, that are trying to take up that, that, you know, 1.5 seconds. Um, and then I think when you think, when you look at the world of sports, it's just like anything else. I mean, it also needs your mind share. Uh, every league, every team, everybody wants you to be thinking about them all the time. And that's the, all the, 
you know, the whole purpose of just, you know, constant communication from everybody all the time. And so, you know, it's easy to say, how does gaming become a part of it? Because gaming is truly engaging. I mean, if you sit down to play a game, you know, you're there for anywhere from three minutes to three hours and you're kind of deep into it. And so the idea of being able to connect with any brand, you know, whether it's a team or whether it's a product or anything like that, through something that is as engaging as gaming becomes incredibly valuable. Um, the, the, the trick to it, and, you know, from my point of view of being somebody in the industry, is that it, it's a lot easier said than done. Creating good games, creating games that, that compel, is just as hard as creating good books or creating good movies or creating, you know, good music. Like anyone can do, anyone can do it technically, but to actually make it stand out becomes a whole different thing. And so I do think that brands and teams and gaming is going to continue to kind of converge. Um, but I think being able to create the actual products that, that, that take people out of the moment and, and really kind of engage them is going to become more and more important and, and trickier as there are more and more things kind of vying for people's time. Um, you know, that's not sure if I'm answering the question, um, more, more or less kind of giving you my thought on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I, see, but I see the same thing. I see the same thing happening. And so for hype games, give me some examples. What are you working on? Like, what are you trying to engage fans with these days? Well, I mean, our, the one that we've announced, uh, our main one is, is uh, called ultimate golf and it is a mobile golf game. Cause guess what? I've, you know, <laughs> like, I decided to make a golf game um, or we decided to make a golf game, something we've, we've done a lot of. And so the, the good thing with, with us and, and ultimate golf is that we were able to bring uh, our experience from building golf games on practically every platform, um, you know, in modern time. I don't think we made any uh, Atari 2600, but a little bit after that, anything post PS1. Um, and so we were able to bring it to this product, but then really think about how do we just add all the connectivity and all the stuff there and, and all the competition I've been talking about, um, to, you know, to, to golf. And so what we've done is we really created uh, a product that's a mobile game. You can download it on iOS and Android. It's called ultimate golf with an exclamation point. Cause we wanted to make the point. Um, and so and when you, and when you go in it, there's just a, there's a ton of ways for you to play head to head against individual people. There's all kinds of leagues. We have a mode that's called um, Golf Royale, where essentially we start off with a couple hundred people all playing close to the pin. And over three rounds, we whittle it down to, you know, to just the top 10. And then there's a competition at the end that takes the whole thing takes about like, like six to 10 minutes to, to play. Um, and, you know, the, the game's been out for about, uh, about a year and a half, two years. And it's been growing phenomenally and it's been performing really, really well because what we're doing is really creating this kind of sandbox um, for, for people that, that, that like golf um, to, to come on and just play and interact and building a tremendous community around it too. So not only do people play in the game, but there's, there's discords and there's Facebook and there's all kinds of community kind of built up around it too, where these guys just come in every day and they literally just compete against each other with their friends. And then we've got, we have a, uh, kind of a country clubs mode within the game too, where you can organize within groups of 25 and then compete with other groups and, oh. and stuff like that. Um, and it's very prototypical. And then we have a lot of, we have other products in development as well that all follow kind of that similar model, but are going to be focused on different, different sports and activities, but we haven't announced any of those yet. So, you know, I got to be careful. <laughs> I hear you. Um, wh- when you talk to teams and leagues, and if you do, 
what are they telling you they want? What do they want to build? How do they want to engage with their fans through gaming? That is a really interesting question. And there's a couple of facets to it as well. And we, we have spoken to many uh, teams, leagues over the years. Um, we've also spoken to many individual athletes, uh, celebrities, you know, just all, all kinds of people kind of in that same sphere. And what they all, you know, what the common thread is, you know, a team or a league or an athlete, they're also an IP, right? They're also just a brand. And when they look at gaming, they think about it as a potential platform to, you know, to bring their brand, to, to monetize their brand without trying to sound too, you know, without sound, trying to sound too capitalistic. But the idea is when, when, we, um, when we talk to people, what they realize is that gaming is a nice um, opportunity to engage fans. It's also a nice opportunity to drive revenue. Um, but for the most part, it's unclear how to do it least to them. And what we've done with, with a lot of the games that we're making, especially um, is really focus on these opportunities to partner with people and then create an, you know, create a, a revenue stream for them too, off of their own, off of their, you know, off of their own brand or IP. So for example, you know, we've partnered with um, different athletes and different entertainers within, within ultimate golf to do events for charity where we will sell uh, golf balls in the game that help you play better where proceeds would then go to charities. We've also done it where we've sold golf balls and proceeds go to our partners. So, you know, the idea to be able to use gaming as a, um, as a platform to merchandise, uh, you know, IP is interesting, I think, to everybody, right? So usually when we talk to a, to a team or a league, they'll come and they'll say, hey, look, you know, how do, how, we've, we've got all these fans and we're doing a great job you know, engaging them and monetizing them in the thing that we do, but, you know, but we know there's more and, and we're like, yeah, we agree. I think <laughs> one of those things is gaming <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and the funny thing is it's, it's not very different, right? So whether you go to a game and then you buy a Jersey or you play a video game and then you buy a Jersey, you're still buying a Jersey and whether it's physical or digital is, is, you know, becoming, you know, um, a little bit more blurred. And so what gaming does in a lot of ways, like for example, we're doing, um, we're doing an event today, um, where we're partnering with, um, Arnold Palmer, Arnold and Winnie Palmer foundation. Um, we, we have the Bay Hill, uh, club inside of our game. And so because the, the Arnold Palmer invitationals is actually kicking off today, um, we, we partnered with them where we have digital events in our game where people will come in and play 18 holes against, uh, you know, against, a score um, from, from Mr. Palmer and they will pay a entry fee and the proceeds of that entry fee will go to the foundation. Hmm. Um, and so, so in, in that regard, I mean, it's essentially a digital event, right? It's just like paying for a tea time, except you're paying for a digital tea time and the prizes that you get are in-game things that you can use. Uh, and then the proceeds are going to charity. And so once upon a time, you'd have to literally take, you know, have a golf course and have people pay uh, to play, to raise, to raise money, or a cause through through a golf event, but we're just doing a digital, and it and it works great. And so those are the kinds of things that we bring. So when we when we want to partner with somebody, we say, hey, you know, here's all the things we bring, you know, and here's all the stuff that we can do. And a lot of this is similar to the things that they do in, in the real world, um, but now they're done now they're just done on your phone, you know, and they're done digitally. But the but the outcome is the same. People still pay to enter, and people still get prizes, and people still get awards. But everything is digital. Mm. It's interesting. Mike Taramekin is the CEO and the founder of Hype Games. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thank you for having me. And I'll say I'm co-founder because the other guys get mad, uh, but I'm one of them. On the next Future Sport Podcast, what if the basketball could tell you how to shoot it better? Basketball at the youth and amateur level really doesn't have a solution that many that is accessible to many people. And so I, I think with SIQ, we're, we're trying to provide advanced analytics to the masses, but we're also envisioning the world where why can't every basketball be a smart basketball? That's Eric Anderson, CEO of SIQ Basketball, a technology based out of Europe that may change the way the game is played worldwide. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.